Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. On today's episode, I had the honor of speaking with founder and CEO of Bonafide Provisions, Sharon Brown. Sharon's journey in the food business world began when she healed her son from chronic health issues using real food and bone broth. We're really diving deep into the world of bone broth today. And this life-changing experience that Sharon had compelled her to become a certified clinical nutritionist and open a private practice in Del Mar, California. Within a year, Sharon had a wait list of four months long, and people were desperate to heal. And bone broth was a cornerstone of Sharon's protocol that she was recommending to her clients. Unfortunately, as many of you probably know, making bone broth properly can be time consuming and it can be expensive. And there were no commercially available bone broths that met Sharon's standards. So she enlisted the help of her husband, who is a professionally trained chef, to help her make bone broth for her clients and now for all of us to enjoy as well. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the healing benefits of bone broth, as well as what the differences are between stock and broth, the connection between our gut health 
and our mental health. And then we even dive into a little bit of the business side of running a business like, like Sharon does. I know you're going to love this episode, so let's dive right in. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. Sharon, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you. How are you? So good and so glad to have you on the show. So your company, Bonafide Provisions, sells traditionally prepared bone broth. Can you tell all of us a little bit about what inspired the creation of this company? Sure. So it actually was created out of a need. Um, I, my kind of my cliff notes version of how I started my company is that I have three children and I have a middle son who I healed using bone broth, um, and really food, um, uh, about 13 years ago. And I then, um, after uh, we had healed him using food from chronic illness, we then, um, I went and I opened a nutrition practice. And when I, uh, would kind of create a protocol, Uh, for my clients that included bone broth. My biggest challenge was getting people to make their own bone broth. They were either too sick or they just didn't want to do it. And Mm -hmm. so that is how we created Bonafide Provisions. It was really just out of this need. And originally it was just for my clients to get them well. Yeah. I think some of the best companies are created out of a need, right? There's a demand for this. And I can resonate as a woman with multiple chronic illnesses where it's like, you don't always have the energy to create all these things. Or it's like bone broth on top of all the other things that you're preparing for yourself because so much of the food needs to be prepared at home. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your son was experiencing at the time and like what his improvements were after healing through food, nutrition, bone broth? Yeah, sure. So when he was born, he was a perfectly healthy little guy. And then when he was six months old, he developed his his first sinus infection. Mm. And so I took him to the pediatrician and she put him on his first round of antibiotics. And we got on this crazy roller coaster with antibiotics. And he he was on and off of antibiotics for the first six years of his life. And he suffered from chronic sinus infections, ear infections, respiratory infections. He had skin issues, asthma. And then when we went to a back to school night, um, when he was in first grade, uh, his teacher pulled me aside and said that she noticed that he was exhibiting signs of ADD, Mm. um, not ADHD with the hyperactivity, but, but he had, uh, attention issues, focusing issues. And she had said to me, she was a teacher for 20, 20 years. And she felt that getting children on Ritalin very early was really kind of the best route for the families and teachers and children. And so she suggested that night that we, we put Blake on Ritalin. Wow. And so I decided I was going to get off that crazy roller coaster that night. Mm -hmm. And I went home and just decided I was going to do something different. And that was 13 years ago. There wasn't a lot of information on the internet back then about healing. Um, And so I, I, I actually, I found some, some information on the internet. I actually went to the library (laughs) and started doing some research back then. And I came Uh across this concept of healing through food and that you could heal the body through food and came across 
you know, as I continued to research this idea of alternative remedies, and one of them was bone broth. Mm -hmm. And that bone broth heals the mucosal lining of the gut. Mm -hmm. And that up to say 70% of your immune system resides in your gut. Mm -hmm. And so when you heal the gut, you really can heal chronic illness. And so that's what I did. We started with, you know, these, this little guy that just had these, this chronic illness and ended on this, uh, this wellness journey of healing through food. Yeah. I was just going to ask you too, like, what is, what makes bone broth magical? What are some of the things that are inherently in like animal bones that you then receive as nutrients or amino acids when you consume bone broth. And, and like you said, it, it all begins in the gut. And so this is all going into your gut to support your health. But what, what about it is extra special? Yeah. When you, so, you know, cultures for thousands of years have used uh, bone broth, um, you know, for, for healing. So you think about Asian cultures who have been using bones and the bones of an animal to make rich broth is broths mm -hmm. for their soups. Um, you know, Jewish grandmothers refer to it as Jewish penicillin. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that when you take um, the bones of an animal and you simmer them for long periods of time, uh, and you add a chelating agent, something like uh, apple cider vinegar or lemon juice, the, um, that chelating agent will draw all of the nutrients, the collagen, and the amino acids of the bones mm -hmm. into the broth. Um, and so we as humans and animals store all of, their, all of our collagen and our um, amino acids, our minerals, think of like calcium in your bones, um, in the bones of bones. Um, and so when you cook the, the, the bones of the animals for long periods of time, you get this broth that's full of these great nutrients. The powerhouse for the gut is an, an, an amino acid called L-glutamine. Mm -hmm. And the glutamine is actually the preferred fuel source for the cells that line the mucosal lining of the gut. So if you, if you picture your gut, um, the lining of your gut will always be lined with cells. And those cells that line your gut, their, their favorite food, you know, in layman's term, their favorite food to consume is glutamine. Mm -hmm. And when they consume glutamine, they uptake that, that amino acid very quickly. Mm -hmm. And what they do, the cells is that cell will excrete um, a little bit of mucus. And what the mucus does is it then coats the mucosal lining of the gut and it will actually act like a sewing needle and start healing the lining of the gut. And when you do that, you support your immune system because, you know, back 12 years ago, we used to think that up to 80, or I'm sorry, up to 70% of your immune system resides in your gut. But now we know that up to 85% resides in your gut. And so when you heal the mucosal lining of the gut, you, you heal your immune system. That's like one of the best visual descriptions I've ever experienced of how bone broth benefits you on a whole body level. So mm. thank you. Of um, course. I'm curious what 13 years ago did it look like when you were making bone broth at home for your family or specifically for your son? And what does it look like now? 
<laughs> yeah, that is such a good question. And, you know, when we started making bone broth, I, my husband was a, a chef at, at oh. one point in his life. Mm -hmm. And he, um, I called him and I said, you know, we're going to make bone broth. And he knew the concept of stock. Mm -hmm. um, and, and cooking bones, not really for the long period of time. And he, he said, great, you know, I'll, I'll bring home some bones. And we really had a, a hard time finding and sourcing really clean bones. Yeah. In fact, at one point we started to purchase our bones from Amish farmers yeah. um, because we couldn't source bones. And so we started making the bone broth for our son in our kitchen and we would make big quarts, 10 quart pots of, of the bone broth. And then I would freeze it. Um, one of the things that I did was I would either put it in mason jars and freeze it that way, or I would put it in ice cube trays mm -hmm. and I would then use the ice cube, the little cubes of um, bone broth. And I slipped it into everything that I made for Blake. So even, you know, when I was sauteing vegetables or mm -hmm. I was making a shake for him, he, I would slip it into everything that he made. He had no idea that I was doing that. Mm -hmm. um, well, today, you know, we've scaled and we now sell um, our bone broth, as you probably know, uh, you know, in 6,500 stores nationwide in the frozen set. And so now we've just taken it from our home. We've taken that exact same recipe. It is the same we, recipe. It okay. is the exact same recipe. Yes. And we just um, now do it on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And we have two facilities that we, we make our broth in. Um, Why yeah. is it in the frozen section and does that matter? Yeah. So for, for us, it really mattered, right? So I didn't want to create a product that you had to A, modify, um, to, to be able to put it onto the shelf. Right. So mm -hmm. oftentimes, like if you, I think one of the things that's really important for us as consumers is we have to understand what a product has to go through in order to give it shelf life. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if you are making something at home and it's homemade, it's going to rot unless you right. add something to that product. So typically the shelf stable products will have things in them like citric acid, um, or, um, you, you know, shelf stabilizers, guar gums, things like that. Um, and the other thing that I didn't want to have to do is heat fill a bag because there's mm -hmm. always issues of leaching. And when you heat fill a product and put it on the shelf, there's that, that issue. And so we just said, you know what, when people are making their bone broth at home and they're making big 10 quart, 12 quart bats of bone broth, they're freezing it. And so let's just do that because it makes the most sense. That's where the consumer should be looking for their bone broth. That's just like they make it at home. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've done. Yeah. That that's amazing. And it also tastes delicious. <laughs> and oh, thank you. <laughs> you, can, you can use it in so many different ways. So I'm more of like the, the person who loves to pour myself a mug of just like straight bone broth and sip it like tea with like some herbs and a dash of Himalayan sea salt. But what other ways do you like to use broth or do you have a favorite way that you utilize it in your life? I love how you mentioned that you sneak it in even to like, he, he was a younger child, it sounds like at the time to like mm -hmm. vegetables and sauteing things. Yeah. So we do, you know, we find about 60% of the people that consume our broth consume it exactly the way you do. So mm -hmm. our, our, 
original blends, our chicken and our beef, were really created for medicinal purposes. And so what you'll find is we didn't add any uh, extra herbs or seasoning or flavoring to those, mm. those particular products so that when you are at home, you can slip them into everything that you make or drink it by the cup and then flavor it the way that you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, like I said, about 60% of the people drink it just like that. They'll also add things like ghee or butter or mm-hmm. turmeric or lemons or um, avocado. The other 40% really do kind of slip it into all different types of recipes. And so everything from, like I said, sauteing your vegetables, braising your meats, poaching your fish in bone broth, using it in place of liquid for quinoa and Mm -hmm. rice, cauliflowered rice. Um, I even would slip it into 13 years ago into Blake's waffles. And so originally when, um, when I healed Blake, he was on a grain-free, um, uh, diet. And originally the, the first few months we didn't even do almond flour or coconut flour, but eventually we did. And then when I started to incorporate those things back into his diet, I just slipped bone broth into everything I made. So if I was making, um, grain free waffles that morning in place of liquid, I would, you know, if it called for a quarter cup of bone broth, I'd sneak it in there. Um, and then, like I said, I would make smoothies out of it. So really just everything that I made, I challenged myself. Could I put bone broth in it? And I did. (laughs) That's a really good challenge. I feel like I need to try that because I typically stick to the mug, but I know that like waffles actually sounds like really good. So some of my past clients have been like, oh, I don't like the way that it makes my house smell when they're, you know, they've got the crock pot um, going for 24 to 48 hours, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally love the smell. I feel like it's like you walk in and like every day is Thanksgiving dinner in your house, <laughs> but not everyone loves that smell, which is, I think also why it could be beneficial. Just purchase it and, and bring it home with you. Now I have made my own chicken bone broth and beef bone broth and turkey bone broth after only after Thanksgiving, <laughs> just because I had turkey bones. Yeah. Um, awesome. And they each kind of require a different amount of time to slow cook or to put through into your instant pot. So what is the difference, especially for anyone out there who's like, these people sound like they're obsessed with bone broth. Like what's the big deal? <laughs> so can we explain to, to listeners the difference between what you said your husband was familiar with, like a stock or a broth that you'd buy like on the shelf in a carton at Whole Foods versus a bone broth that does sit longer? Yeah, sure. So, you know, with, when you talk with chefs, oftentimes they will talk about a stock Mm -hmm. and stock is simply when you take, uh, you can add bones, um, or some meat and you cook it for a, a short period of time. So typically about three hours. And really that's something that people are using for non-medicinal purposes and maybe just as a soup base or something that they're just using to, to flavor, you know, um, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, uh, 
recipes with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bone broth is very different. It's really used for medicinal purposes and it's the longer cooking time that's the most important piece of the puzzle. So when what we did was early on when we had our bone broth uh, and we said to ourselves, we want to find the most effective and maximum way to utilize these bones that we're going to be using because they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was we would cook our bone broth when we first started our company and we did cooking times of say like four hours, six hours, 12 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours. And we found that the 18 hours was really kind of the sweet spot okay. of being able to extract all of the aminos, the collagens, the proteins, mm-hmm. and the nutrients from the bones of the animal. Anything further than that, it really, we didn't yield much more. It kind of didn't move that needle much more as far as the labs went. Mm-hmm. And so that's really kind of the safe place is that 18 hour. And so our broths are all cooked for a minimum of 18 hours and up to 24 hours. Yeah. I have a personal question as well, because I think I, I read this about, I think it was turkey bones specifically that you can, for at home purposes, actually like make two batches. So like use them again, so I, I experimented one time, but the second batch was certainly not as jelly or gelatinous and um, as dark as the first round. Have you ever done that, like just even at home? And what are your feelings on that? <laughs> yeah. So at home, we we did do that. And I I found the exact same thing that you experienced, which is you know, yes, we were able to repurpose the the remaining bones, but never to the original, um, you know, kind of run through with the product. And yeah. So it, we, we just found that it didn't yield, just as you said, it wasn't as thick, it wasn't as gelatinous, it mm-hmm. was a little bit more runny. And so we knew that it was just a watered down version of yeah. the first batch. And so, um, you know, for us, uh, especially with bona fide provisions, we, we can't do that, but at home, because I was using it for medicinal purposes and I need mm-hmm. to make sure that I got all of the, the good amount of amino acids. I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't do that any longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I could see, I ended up putting my Mason jars like side by side afterwards and the first batch was just so much darker and thicker than the second batch. So like, I think I ended up using the second batch for like mm. less of the like drinking straight out of the mug purposes and more of the like throw into a soup type of like more of a stock purpose. Yeah. That's great that you kind of did that experiment and, (laughs) and you kind of, you know, you learned that on your own because if you think about it, what's going to happen with the bones is eventually they're just going to, they're just going to, they like crumble, uh, right? They're going to disintegrate. Yep. They're going to completely crumble. And so you're only going to be able to extract so much of, you know, of what's in those bones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can we talk a little bit about how gut health and the things that you're putting into your stomach and helping to heal that lining of your, of your gut and your intestines is related also to mental health? Sure, absolutely. So um, I'm a GAPS practitioner. GAPS stands for Gut and Psychology Syndrome. Um, it's also really important 
to, to kind of understand how the gut relates, relates to autoimmunity. And I know yeah. that, that your audience understands that, but mm -hmm. I'll talk about the, the, the first part, the mental, and then the, the second part um, about the autoimmunity, because I think Please. it's so yeah, important. Yeah. So the, the, the mental, um, it, it's interesting. When I became a GAPS practitioner, much of you know, the ideas that Dr. Natasha put forth really what it was like a pioneer effort from her. Um, and yet we look back and we see that Hippocrates, you know, the father of medicine said that all disease begins in the gut. Mm -hmm. And certainly that's mental disease as well. And so um, I think one of the things that most people don't know is that when you are in utero and you are being formed in your mother's womb, there's a piece of tissue and that piece of tissue breaks apart and one piece of the tissue becomes your gut and the other piece of tissue becomes your brain. Mm -hmm. And those two pieces of tissue are always in communication via something called your enteric nervous system. Mm -hmm. There's a vagus nerve that goes from the nape of your neck down to your gut. And that's why whenever you maybe are thinking about, or, you know, somebody is thinking about having to go up and public speak just by what they're thinking causes what we refer to as butterflies in your yeah. stomach, because they're like, the, these two organs are like twins and they're constantly communicating. Mm -hmm. So we know that whatever you're putting in your gut, affects your brain. Mm -hmm. And transversely, what's getting into your brain is, is going to affect your gut as well. And so that's really the idea behind Gut and Psychology Syndrome. It was a book that was written by a neurosurgeon who actually cured her son of autism, reversed all of his symptoms using um, food and healing the gut because she knew that his his brain was a mess, right, with autism, that um, his brain was not functioning well. But what she decided to do was focus on his gut, knowing that if she could fix his gut, she could fix his brain. Mm -hmm. And really, it's really the same thing with not only gaps. So gut and psychology syndrome is written for autistic, but it's also this idea that there's a gap in between what the medical field views of healing mental disease mm -hmm. and the way to heal mental disease. And that gap is all about the gut. Yeah. Um, because when you heal the gut, it will always affect the brain. So things like dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADD, ADHD, um, schizophrenia, um, uh, anxiety, depression, all of that is related back to your gut. And what we mm -hmm. want to do, you know, conventional medicine tells us to concentrate on the, the brain mm -hmm. rather than the gut. And the approach is always to approach the gut first, heal the gut, and then you'll be able to see the positive effects that the brain will have, whether, like I said, whether you're dealing, let's say anxiety or depression, we know that up to 70% of your serotonin and your dopamine are made in your gut. Well, if you have gut dysbiosis, you're not going to be able to make that serotonin, serotonin and dopamine to the level that you need to. And remember that the serotonin and the dopamine are the hormones that make you want to go out and want to take on the day and take yeah. on life and feel great. Um, so you can see how it's so closely related to the gut health. Um, 
And then just kind of moving on from that, this whole idea about autoimmune. I had so many patients that would come to me with autoimmune disease and they had been through scores and scores of conventional doctors and the conventional doctors would give them medications um, to help with, with their autoimmune system. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, what they're not focusing on is where the immune system resides. So as we just talked about 85% of your immune system resides in your gut. So starting with anything, but the gut, really can be futile when you are addressing autoimmunity, because Mm -hmm. when you heal 85% of that, oftentimes that rest of the 15% just falls into place when you start with the gut. Yeah. So if I had somebody that came in with say Hashimoto's, the last thing that we were focusing on was the thyroid to begin with. We always started with the gut Mm -hmm. and then we would get to the thyroid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's fascinating. And I hope that a lot of people just had like major aha moment light bulb experiences, especially at the beginning of what you said around that piece of tissue that gets separated, divided to become the brain and the gut. And I'm even somebody who, even though I have some autoimmune diseases that directly affect my digestion, like celiac disease, was not experiencing symptoms digestively. And instead, all my symptoms were more mental, like debilitating anxiety. And it makes a lot of sense when you word it that way, when you describe it that way, it's because like, okay, maybe something's going on here, but the symptoms showing up up here in the brains, I'm pointing and people can't see that, but it's something <laughs> happening in your gut and there it's, but it's like manifesting as a symptom in my, in my mind and in the way that I'm feeling. And, and so it makes so much sense that even though you might not even be having major physical symptoms in the gut, that what's happening there is impacting the entire, entire body. So again, I hope there was some like major light bulbs that just went off in everyone's mind around how important it is to put your gut first. And when I, I ended up working with a functional diagnostic nutritionist to heal myself, um, along with lots of deeply emotional and spiritual work too, but, um, Mm I got the GI map test done. And when it came back, I mean, it was just like, everything was like, tick, tick. She's got that. She's got this, she's got this. And I was shocked because I'm like, but my digestion feels so good, but it was just an indication of everything else that was going on in my body because your gut is really like this hub for it all. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, really good. And I, and I, I do hope that people do have that aha moment because you're so right. It, it is a hub. It it really is the foundation for wellness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just can't stress that enough. I, every patient that came to me in my practice and, you know, I, I had a four month wait list when I was practicing, I'm no longer practicing because mm-hmm. I'm now a slinger of bone broth. Um, yes. But when I, when I was practicing, it didn't matter what you came to me for. You were always going to start with the gut. And the reason was, wasn't because I didn't, you know, I could look, we could work on your heavy metals. We can work on your candida. We can work on all of these things. But if you didn't start with the gut, we were, I, I just found that what we would do is we would get into these spinning our wheels cycles. And so eventually everybody knew when they were going to come to me, that that was the first place that we were going to start. And that was the foundation 
to building the house. And it didn't matter if I was dealing with an 80-year-old with arthritis or an eight-year-old with eczema. Mm -hmm. We all started with the gut. Mm -hmm. So you said you're a slinger of bone broth now. So (laughs) I'm curious. Uh, what for the women who are also entrepreneurs listening, whether they have a product or a service that they're sharing with the world, what was that experience like of, of saying, okay, here's this thing that I'm using at home. That's clearly benefiting my family in immense ways and is now benefiting my clients in immense ways. I'm going to package this up and it's going to be at Whole Foods and everyone's local supermarket. Like how, how did that happen? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it, actually happened out of a need. And if I can share anything with the entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, find a need, fill the need and the rest will come with hard work. And we, I never, I never started this company to make a buck off of bone broth. I never, ever thought that this is what we would be doing. It was really, I I went to my husband, I said, would you make bone broth for my patients? And he, his first reaction was no. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what he said. And he's like, "Uh, when am I going to do this? (laughs) And, um, and then I, you know, I begged him and then he finally said, okay, well, you know, we will. And we just started selling it out of my office and we would Mm -hmm. sell out, you know, weekly. And then it started, we'd sell out daily. And all of a sudden we were taking orders and that's when we thought, wow, you know what? there is a need here and you know we can we have the opportunity to do this right we have the opportunity to really make a difference in the world of food on such a bigger scale of what i could do here in my practice mm-hmm. and and that was the motivating factor and we thought gosh if we could help more people and we could be that brand that says no we're not going to hot fill this we're not going to put it on a shelf we're not going to add citric acid we're going to do it just like you did at home then let's do it and we've been able to you know thus far continue to to kind of stick to that Mm -hmm. and that has really kind of built our brand. We've never moved away from that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the other thing that I always share with entrepreneurs, and I just think it's so important. And I hope, you know, people don't start to think that I'm a broken record, but more (laughs) of just please listen to me when I say this, because I, you know, I, I, I had a very successful nutrition practice, and then I have this very successful company. And in both both arenas, very different, but very both different business models. My one advice is that, you know, for the first couple of years, you will have to work your tail off and you will not be able to find balance. And that's okay. The balance will come, you know, but we talk about like trying to always find balance and that's a very good thing. We, we need to do that in our life, but there will be times in your life. If you are an entrepreneur, that that balance is not going to be there and it's okay. You have to just say to yourself, you know what? I have goals. I have a a mission. Um, You know, I have a mission statement and I'm going to do whatever it takes over these next couple of years Mm -hmm. to be able to fulfill these goals and make this happen. Um, And then the balance will come. But I've talked to so many young, wonderful, beautiful entrepreneurs that said, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to find balance and it's making me crazy trying to find the balance. And I said, you will make yourself crazy because it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so don't do that initially, 
and look forward to it. And then just give yourself some really great vacation time during those two years so that you can get away. Right. Um, but yeah. And have that downtime that you need. Yeah. I relate to that. I mean, I'm two and a half years into my business and I mean, I'm in love with my business and I also am in love with my fiance and a lot of other things in my life, but it, it lights me up to be of service and I want yeah. to show up every single day and there's something I would rather be doing at this point. And so it's, it's easy for me to really throw myself into it. And sometimes it's hard for me to take myself away from it. But I, I once heard, I think Gabby Bernstein quote, it was a, she said like, um, there's no, essentially there's no such thing as balance, but she said like balance is bullshit. <laughs> yes, there you go. Like, it's never going to be like, you know, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, or 50, 50, or like 33, 33, 33, like perfect buckets of, of balance yes. of every different area of your life that are completely aligned and just like divine in every single way at any given point. And mm -hmm. when I heard that as an entrepreneur, I was like, oh, that takes all the pressure off. I don't have to try and be perfect. I don't have to try to do this in a perfect way. It's okay that I love my business and I'm really throwing myself into it right now. And like you said, like more of that balance does start to come over time and, and evens itself out a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, if you're passionate about it, you love it. And, you know, and then what you'll find is that the people, your family, your friends, you know, the true ones are going to support you in that endeavor. They're going to understand, you know, I've, I've had so many of my girlfriends, I've said, I will be able to go to coffee someday, <laughs> just not right now. <laughs> yeah, I can relate yeah. to that. And even I'm just thinking about to my, my own bone broth journey and making my own batch for the first time and being like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, but I'm going to try. I've heard so many good things about this. And I would say like, I got pretty serious about food as medicine probably like seven or eight years ago. And mm -hmm. I don't remember bone broth being on the shelves then. And, and like, it, it just like, I thought I had to make it myself because all I saw was, was stock essentially. Right. Like there was tons of that. But bone broth, and it's just, it's so nice for people like me uh, now where it's like, okay, well, you know, some weeks I do make my own other weeks. I'm like, can I just go get it off a shelf or in the freezer <laughs> section? And I just go get it off the freezer section and it just makes my life so much easier. So I want to thank you for all the good work that you're doing in this world. If there's anything that you feel like we missed today or any takeaway message that you'd like to share with the listeners, I'd love to hear that now. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I like to share with your listeners and just really just everybody in general, I even teach my 16-year-old daughter this, and that is to read labels. You made a really good point just now. You said that, you know, six, seven years ago on your wellness journey, there wasn't bone broth on the shelf. There was yeah. stock and those type of things, but there wasn't bone broth on the shelf. Unfortunately, what we've found is that most of the companies simply changed the label on their product mm. and it's the same stock. It's not bone broth. And when you turn the package around, you'll see that it will, many of them will say, um, it'll say bone broth. And then the ne next ingredient is broth. It's like, uh, well, like what is that? Down? Watered down. Exactly. Oh. And so what my, so I, my challenge to everyone and it's beyond the bone broth, right? It just goes back to yeah. the heart of, who I am as a nutritionist, somebody who healed a family member using food, 
read your labels. You, if you are purchasing a product in the middle aisles of your grocery store, and it's not either on the outside aisle where the fresh or the frozen is, you know, and even in the frozen, read your labels. And if those, if there is something in that product that you wouldn't be doing at home, put it back um, because that is a food company that has figured out a way to modify the product and isn't necessarily going to be a real food product. And so that's across the board. Um, I, I, you know, I hope that that's what people are doing with all of the information that we have at our fingertips, Mm -hmm. be informed as the consumer by being a label reader. Yes. Like times a million, a hundred because even as like, I consider myself, my listeners already know this, but as someone who like, I'm like, oh, I'm a veteran at this. Like I know how to read labels. I know what food to buy to support my body. I just shared a story with them that back in January, February of this year, you know, eight years down the road, I bought a organic chapstick at Whole Foods in the middle aisles, right? And I couldn't figure out why my face was like getting all this rash and I wasn't feeling well. There was gluten in my chapstick. And so (laughs) I didn't read the label. I didn't read the label closely enough and I got lazy. And it was just like, you get, you're like, oh, I got this, I got this down. And, And like, you just pick your products and it's like, you, you have to stay vigilant. You have to continue to look at the labels as well and not kind of get lazy about it or else gluten slips in in unexpected ways and your body will show you. So that's a really oh, yeah. good tip that even I am remembering, you know, eight years into this journey. <laughs> yes. And I've been guilty of the same thing, you know, even though I preach this, yeah. I've been guilty of the same thing, just popping in and then looking at the ingredient go, wow, I didn't realize that was in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It t- it's like two extra seconds, right? Just like yes. the box or the jar or whatever it is over and like read through the ingredients. There shouldn't be that many anyway, so it shouldn't take you long to read. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. That's Perfect. Exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on today. I learned a lot more about bone broth that I never knew before. And I just, I, I honor your work and I'm so grateful to have the convenience of this in, in stores and in the freezer section now. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And congratulations on your business and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. I so appreciate your time and attention. Putting these episodes together is a labor of love and something that I fully enjoy doing, but it means even more to me knowing that people are on the other side listening. So again, thank you. There are over 10,000 of you every single month tuning in and listening. And I just, I want to shout out to every single one of you who is putting your in your earbuds or listening while you're cooking dinner or on your commute to work. I see you. And I'm so, so honored to have you here. I just wanted to let you know today that in the transition over to my new brand, The Empowered Empath, there is a Facebook community of support. 
It is called the Empowered Empath Community. You can simply search for it on Facebook or I'll link to it in the show notes today. And this is just an opportunity for you to connect with other empaths who are trying to navigate this world as a highly sensitive person and uh, allow themselves to really see their sensitivity as a strength instead of a weakness. That's a completely free group where I host free live streams and different posts that, that challenge you to think differently. So I'd be so honored for you to join us inside this free Facebook community. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you next time.